Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Kent Wyrock. I am joined by Jen, Matt, and Matthew, and we are back with another guest on the show, Mr. Ben Commons. Ben, how's it going this evening? It's going great, man. It's a pleasure to be back talking with some friends here. And, uh, you know, I mean, whether it should feel this way or not, like training camps are open, and that's where I'm really, like, 100% 100% diving in, 100% motivated. Got to check the news. We'll talk about some of it. Got to be diving more deep into the statistics. Like, it's here. Let's go. Yeah, tomorrow is August 1st, and that means that the season is basically one month away. And we have preseason football starting this Thursday. Woo. So there's at least something to throw on the TV and relax on a nice day after work. So. Football season is approaching quickly. We are all very excited. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those training camp stories as well as some potential bounce-back players uh, to help find uh, maybe a little bit cheaper in ADP than you're expecting. So we're going to dive in and see if we can't find some good values there. So, um, yeah, let's just kick it over to the news real quick. We have some stories we're going to cover before we get into some of those camp news uh, and notes. So first things first, my boy, Stefan Diggs gets a huge contract, five years, $72 million with 40 guaranteed. Oh, wait, can, can you hear that <laughs> off, the, off in the distance? What is that? Skull. Hey, it's yes. Skull. He did it. Skull. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, I've been trying to get Kent to do the Skull Chain on the pod for at least like a month straight, and he finally did it. So thank you, Stefan yes. Diggs, for that contract. I finally got around yes. to it. It took some awesome Viking news, you know, to get me going a little bit. Pump that purple blood through my body. Get me going. I like it. Um, you know, a lot of people were kind of worried about Stefan Diggs even signing with the team this offseason or next offseason after the year's done. We kind of would have to gamble a little bit with his injury history, but he has shown talent on the field. When he's out there, he gets the job done. We're all very excited to see what Kirk Cousins can do with this offense. Uh, and Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, the whole Kit Kat and Caboodle, they're looking good this year. So Stefan Diggs is locked up five years, and I do like to see that. I like to see that commitment to the player, and I like to see Stefan Diggs' commitment to the team. So I thought that was pretty awesome news. Do you guys have any have any thoughts on that situation? I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Diggs fan. I think I may have said this before. I just love him as a player and as a receiver. So I really love seeing this. And I've been a guy who's, if anyone asks me, are you taking Diggs or Thielen, which is a kind of common question these days in uh, the industry and for drafters, it's easily Diggs for me. And a lot of people will say, oh, Diggs right over Thielen or Thielen over Diggs. For me, it's easily Diggs. Um, and this kind of cements that for me. They're clearly invested in him. And I'm really excited. I'm hoping for a 16-game season, and if he does it, I'm I'm thinking he's a wide receiver one easy. All right. They're clearly yeah, invested that... in a winning offense, I would say, right? I mean, they're really building it up and solidifying their players and making sure they have the pieces moving forward. So I can't wait to see this offense, you know, moving together this year and future years to come. So 
Diggs is just one piece of that. And I, I'm excited. I'm with you all. It's really refreshing. I love to watch him. Oh, yeah. It's really refreshing to see an organization making some, what I would call, I, I don't know, you can disagree with me, but I would, I would call a lot of smart moves. So love it. You mean they're not the Dolphins? I, oh, right, man. right, <laughs> right. Oh, what good, up? Good thing. What we up, Anthony? Anthony what up, Pin Zone? Yeah, welcome to the Pin Zone. <laughs> he he took so much crap from us last year when we were talking down on his Dolphins, and and he 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 took it pretty well. So more power to him. The but. Dolphins fans are used to it, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when was the last time that they received a lot of praise for their team? Hey, well, it was probably a while back. But attack those pass catchers late in drafts. Wink. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's value to be had there. Not Parker. <clears throat> oh, no. I don't know. All right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that might be a chat for uh, another day. I, I like that lead in. But uh, un- b- before we get to that, let's move on to some other news points. And actually, this one, I'm not even going to let you guys talk about it because it's so underwhelming. But the Saints this afternoon signed Michael Floyd to, I believe, just a one year deal. I didn't actually see any details on it because it was pretty fresh. Uh, off the uh, newspaper there, but yeah, it's uh, something. So anyway, on to something <laughs> else. Uh, re- recently, Eric Decker was noted as working out with the Patriots, a team that is known to be having some injury and suspension issues with their wide receiver core. Not that it really matters who the wide receiver is because Tom Brady will turn any of them into something relevant, it seems to be, but Eric Decker, I think, would be a good fit there. Yeah, as uh, as the yeah. Patriots guy, I'm sure you expect me to say something. Um, and I mean, and I'm no not g- bias either. Uh, true, true. I'm not going to say it, anything crazy, um, because he's a, another guy now as, that's part of a large group of people that are going to be up for the question mark of who's going to fill in for Edelman and uh, for four games, and who's going to fill in for Cooks in the long term. Um, and I actually think he he could be the slot guy for those first four games, uh, which means he'll have some value in the beginning. But what I'm more interested in is if he were to get signed and uh, and he does make the team, and neither of those things are guarantees at all whatsoever, he would be a red zone threat big time. Brady's going to throw touchdowns. We all know that. Gronk's going to catch a lot of them. But outside that, he might be, he might end up being the number two touchdown guy in that team. It's something he's been extremely good at throughout his career, especially with the Broncos. Um, I don't know what his touchdown numbers were with Peyton Manning. Maybe Ben might, but they were good. Uh, he caught a few. He caught a few. Uh, you know, and it's it's relevant because of the position and because of the team and because of the recent news that you know Jordan Matthews, who um, I have in a dynasty league, and I've been hoping that maybe. You know, he could fill that role for the first four weeks. Uh, but now the news is that he is on the roster bubble. And who knows? You know, that can go either way. He needs to get healthy. But he's not healthy right now. Um, I read an amazing article by Chris Raybon about his journey. And one of his major takeaways in that article was he is contra- he likes to be contrarian by watching film because not as many analysts do it. And I do like watching film, but I, re- I decided, you know, I really need to find more time to do that. So I've really been trying to up that. And I was watching a Titans game the other day. And I, you know, it led me to tweet out that uh, I was mildly surprised that Eric Decker was not on a team uh, because I think that he can still play. So it is relevant and, and newsworthy if he makes the team. Of course, I think in general, if when Edelman's out, you know, 
out of all the teams in the league, like the Patriots are the wrong team to just say, oh, well, Decker's going to replace Edelman or Matthews is going to replace Edelman because Burkhead will be in the slot. They'll just throw to their running backs more. They'll incorporate Dwayne Allen out of nowhere. So, you know, it's the wrong team, but it's still noteworthy because it's the Patriots and that offense is booming. I think this is a case where it's better for the football team and less really relevant for the fantasy. I think you guys might be right. There might be a a certain, you know, the first four games where he might be relevant and GPP is a great call and DFS, great call. But I was on the Decker train last, you know, last season, uh-huh. like full time, like not just last season. I, I just, I love the guy, love him as a red zone threat. And we all watched how that happened. And Marriott, you know, he wasn't healthy and that team in general didn't do what we thought they would do. But I, I'm not. I'm just, I'm not jumping on this train right away, at least for fantasy. I think that New England could use him, absolutely. But as far as encouraging fantasy people to pick him up, I don't know if I'm there. 100% agree. So, I mean, you know, if he does sign with them, it's it's certainly something to keep track of as, as we go into the season. But for now, he's just working out. So we'll, we'll keep tabs on that for a little bit. Uh, so let's move on to this next part. We got some unfortunate injury news. So... Mr. Matthew Betts, I want you to break down some of the recent injury issues that we've had going on in camp so far, or maybe non-injury issues, as some cases may be. So go ahead and run these down. Let us yeah, know what's for going sure. on. We've got, uh, we've got three players that we're going to talk about tonight. Let's start with the most fantasy relevant and the most well-known player, and that's Doug Baldwin. Uh, news came out today that uh, Doug Baldwin's going to be missing about three weeks or so, uh, given a, a sore knee it's not really clear what happened with Baldwin or kind of what's going on. So we're going to have to take that all with a grain of salt. And the only real kind of idea we have of what's going on is the fact that it's a left knee injury. There's a video that surfaced of Baldwin kind of walking around at camp wearing a sleeve on his, on his left knee. So that's really all that we have at this point. Uh, Coach Carroll came out after Baldwin missed three straight days of practice and just saying that uh, he's dealing with a knee injury and that he's going to be out for a few weeks. So I think from a, from a fantasy perspective, fantasy perspective this is a, a huge bummer in terms of of Baldwin being out because he's someone who I think is kind of flying under the radar as, as a wide receiver one this year and it's hard to say exactly kind of like what his long-term outcome is going to be here or even short-term because we know historically that Pete Carroll is very optimistic regarding his players and so the fact that he's even suggesting it's going to be a few weeks when normally I would expect him to say he's day-to-day or he's going to be out a week uh, does have me a little worried and concerned this is a situation that we'll just have to monitor and kind of see what's going on there. Yeah, I, it's it's sketchy. You know, knee injuries, when they say right up front that they're going to be out a few weeks, you know, that could be like they're just keeping it safe or whatever and make sure he's fine for the season or preseason if he plays at all. But, it, you know, knee injuries are no joke. These days, if you have a guy who has a lingering issue, it can affect his fantasy production all year long. So, it's it's scary, especially a guy who I thought was going to be like a funnel receiver for them this year. Uh, that's it's not a good look, and I don't know who Russ is going to throw to anymore. <laughs> few weeks, few weeks scares me so much because, like you guys have already said, like Pete Carroll, it talks up everybody, and in general across the league. They everybody is usually very optimistic about injury returns. Like even look at Elijah McGuire. We're about to talk about him. Three to six weeks for a fractured leg, I think it is. Like three weeks would be a miracle. So they usually put this time frame in that's amazing and and it's concerning. And I think in general, one of the things that I've tried to improve with my process is like 
Injuries around this time, and granted, Baldwin is more of a veteran that's entrenched. So as if he does come back in a few weeks, you know, then we can we can ease on the concern. But missing time right now is is a big deal. Unless you are like a Le'Veon Bell, and your running backs are a little bit different. You can come right in, but missing time. I think I put more um, stock into that than maybe some others, and I'm really trying to keep track of all these injuries because. It, you know, it, it's a big deal to me. And so we'll see where it goes. And I think it just bumps up Tyler Lockett, who I was already extremely high on at his value. And because um, he's, you know, there's so many targets. The defense is atrocious, I think. And he's just the classic case of a post-hype sleeper. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, and the thing with Baldwin, too, that our, our listeners should be aware of is this guy's been reliable throughout his career. So he's not just someone that sits out because of a little knickknack here or there. I mean, when he he's injured he plays and so if he's going to actually be out for a few weeks it does cause me a little concern so in his seven seasons in the nfl he's only missed two games and he doesn't have any history of knee injuries to worry about in his past uh, which as we know is a predictor for future injuries so uh, it's definitely something that i'm keeping my my ears peeled for and i'm looking out for to see if anything else comes up here which unfortunately with the seahawks i don't think will just given their history of how kind of hush hush they are with their injuries yeah and, uh, you know, Ben, you, you brought up, eh, well, you're talking about that Elijah Maguire breaking his foot. Uh, I understand this one's definitely a more serious injury and something that is going to greatly affect the Jets' backfield, something that apparently we should be interested in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Betts, go, go ahead and let, let what, do you, what do you know about this broken foot situation? It's kind of funny that you mentioned that because literally no one cared about the Jets' backfield as of three days ago, and then Elijah McGuire goes down, and now we're all excited about <laughs> Isaiah Crowell. Uh, but Elijah McGuire, uh, backup running back for the Jets, uh, he fractured his foot actually the first day of training camp, so totally unlucky and kind of a bummer for him. Um, he underwent surgery to, to stabilize the broken bone in his foot, and like Ben said, he was given a timeline of three to six weeks weeks, which I do not buy at all, and it's totally unrealistic. Uh, at a minimum, he's going to be out six weeks because we know that bone takes at least six to eight weeks to fully heal. So even though you know the, the bone is stabilized with a piece of hardware and a piece of metal, uh, the bone is still going to be healing, and he's still going to be dealing with a lot of pain and discomfort, especially when he's cutting and kind of jumping and, and pushing off of that foot. So six weeks minimum for me. Uh, I'm not, not touching him in drafts this year because of that reason, and, and I do think that He's going to have a tough time kind of working his way back into this throughout the first month of the season. Yeah, this is a lot more relevant for the guys ahead of him than it is for him, really. Um, I think uh, he's talked about Isaiah Crowell as one of his kind of sleepers when he came on the show. Or maybe he just had in the dock. Do you guys remember? Uh, yeah, but, he, he talked about Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Crowell is, by the way, not as bad a pass catcher as you might think, either by looking at him or just looking at his Browns history. Um there was a guy named Duke Johnson there who obviously is one of the best in the league at that. So he kind of sucked away his targets and receptions. But when he does get targeted, he's actually pretty decent. Um, so people might think that Elijah Maguire's role as a pass catcher might shift mostly to Powell. But it's possible that Crowell's catches actually go up through this. And because he's going so late in drafts, he's actually a pretty decent value already. So if you go zero RB and you're looking for a guy in, I don't know where he is, sixth or seventh round probably, maybe even later, um, probably later than that, who is a starter on his team, could get pass catching work. Yes, it's a horrible team, but he's going to get 200, 250 carries potentially. Uh, I would I would look at uh, Crowell pretty closely. 
Yeah, and all of a sudden, Below Powell is, is uh, relevant again. I mean, all of the chatter, like, I actually was mildly excited about Elijah McGuire because of where you can get him. You could get him at the end of drafts. Nobody really cared about him. And it was a backfield to me that Elijah McGuire could rise to the top of because I'm I'm not all that. I mean, I got burned by Crowell, Crowell last year, and I don't want to be that guy that gets burned so that he doesn't invest the next year, and then that's when Crowell bounces back. But... Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I'm not in on Crowell right now, but to your point, um, Akata, the, the value might be there, but I think the value is even more there with a guy like Powell who can catch. Now the coaching staff seems to hate him, but because Maguire's hurt, who that is the guy that it seems like they were going to replace Powell with Maguire was going to be that pass catcher because he's gone. That makes Powell relevant again in my eyes. Are, are we going to talk about the potential resurgence of a one Thomas Rawls or, or is hey. he dead in the water? Yeah. Is no, he, is hey, he dead in the I'm, water now? <laughs> I mean, it, it makes all yeah. these guys interesting. See yeah, if they certainly. sign Alfred so, Morris. Oh God. I hope not. that would be <laughs> they all. Were Alfred Morris and Crowell it was, it was weird. Team. It was, it was like he was standing in the parking lot waiting for an injury. I swear he broke his foot and they brought in Morris the same day. It was crazy. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to something a little bit more heartening here in terms of injury news. Uh, Tyler Eifert, back on the field, hey. passes a physical and can practice. That's that's pretty solid news considering he had back surgery this last offseason. So, uh, Betts, is, are there, is there any insight into this? I mean, if the fact that he's already practicing off of back surgery, that must be good news. Yeah, it's exciting for sure. I'm happy for Tyler Eifert. He's a super talented player and an absolute beast in the red zone. So it's just been unfortunate to see his career get pretty much derailed by all these all these injuries. And uh, it is exciting that he's off the pup. So he's he's back in training camp. He's practicing as as of now. If he you know goes through training camp without issue, he's ready for week one. Uh, and but I was never really concerned about that. And that's because after a back surgery. Um, especially the one that he had. So he had a surgery where they go in and they take out a little piece of basically like a disc in between your spine kind of vertebra. And when they do that, it's actually a pretty quick surgery and, and the recovery isn't too bad as long as your rehab is complete um, and you've got time to recover. And, and for him, he's had plenty of time. So I was never really concerned about him being ready for week one. My concern is that the long-term outcome from this is, is not going to be great from a season long and or a career perspective and the reason that I say that is because when you look across um, the players that have had multiple back surgeries their careers are shortened uh, and it's very likely that it comes up again and actually this is this is Eifert's third back injury so uh, he's someone that I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole in fantasy I'm excited for the guy I hope he can play a full 16 because he's great when he does but it's just not going to be someone that I'm interested in drafts this year wow yeah so are you looking at Croft late then yeah, I mean he's a he's a great value for sure. And if if you do kick the tires on Eifert and you're saying like okay, like if I get Eifert great and he plays great, you just drop Croft. But uh, I think it's a decent strategy to get both of them if you're someone that likes to play uh, a handcuff role with that tight end, which I personally don't. But if that's something you do, I mean that's a great strategy. Yeah, and I think uh, I think we talked about it briefly in passing recently. But Croft was a top twelve tight end last year. Um, not even playing the whole, not even being the start of the whole season. I don't believe he had seven touchdowns. So whichever one of these guys is the starter is going to be useful. So if you have room for both, like these guys are saying, I, I really like that strategy is a super punt on tight end. Yeah. So very, very promising stuff there for Tyler Eifert. It, you know, he's a beast when on the field. So let's, let's hope, you know, for his sake too, he stays healthy because he's definitely fun to watch, uh, catch a football. So 
Let's uh let's move on to some training camp news. It's been you know they opened I think last week, week before. Uh, it's been it's different from team to team, so it kind of varies. But of course, there's so much stuff on Twitter. You know, people are saying how this guy's gonna you know jump out and play uh, up to his talent level, and you know certain guys are playing with the ones and stuff like that. So we got a couple of I think kind of important pieces of information that we've sifted through. Uh, and we can present to you guys. So uh, first things first, we're going to talk about Taiwan Taylor for the Tennessee Titans. He's been running with the first team offense recently. And from my understanding, he has been playing on the outside as opposed to in the slot, which he did, uh, I think, 61 or 62% last year was slot play. So my understanding is this is kind of a reciprocal thing of Richard Matthews going through some hazy injury stuff. But... Taylor's a dude who had some talent coming into the draft and into the NFL, and he could have a chance to show it off and step up here big. I don't anyone uh, have some you know late round desire to draft Taiwan Taylor this year? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I'll try to go real quick. Um, I, to me, usage is so important in training camp, and I've tried to like. I feel like I've always had a pretty good, just like general understanding of fantasy football, but this is really where I've tried to grow as an analyst when I'm inundated now to every single clip and every single player right now is a hall of famer, right? So you have to drown out the noise and usage matters more. I think I saw Graham Barfield with the tweet about that. Like Taewon was projected to line up in the slot which is a role that I was really excited about. But if he is 100% on the outside, now maybe it's just because Richard Matthews is hurt right now. And that's an injury that we have to pay attention to. But another one that I am going to be cautious with until we know more information, similar to Doug Baldwin. But if you tell me that Taewon's going to be on the outside, I mean, unless they go sign a Dez, he's going to be the starter opposite Corey Davis. So that tells me he has some upside potential. And then if Rashard Matthews is healthy, I mean, and we knew that, then I would be buying Rashard even more than I already was because I think that that slot role in Tennessee is a very, very... Um, uh, you know, uh, an awesome one to have with Mariota. But it that's what I'm looking for is where are these guys going to play? And I think my biggest lesson was Willie Sneed because I was so high on him last year. And all of a sudden in the preseason, his role didn't change at all from the year before. And I refused to adapt to that. So I don't want to fall into take lock. And I think that uh, it's interesting if Taylor goes to the outside, Matthews is in the slot, you have to start looking at them in those roles and projecting them a little bit differently. Also, I think it should be said, I don't think we've talked about Des Bryant much, but you should be drafting him. It, I mean, obviously depending on where he falls to, but he's going to get signed somewhere. Yes, it's taking a while. Yes, I think he wanted more money than most people like the Ravens wanted to give him, but he's too good to not get signed. And I know he had a down year last year, uh, but he's going to end up on a team. And I believe the last time I heard the Titans are the literal odds on favorite. Vegas actually does odds for these kinds of things, which is pretty funny. Um, but the Titans were the the kind of projected potential landing spot for him. And if Matthews is struggling with health and Taewon Taylor is their number two option, I could definitely see that happening. And I think he's probably a better receiver. So if you can get him, 
uh, in the double-digit rounds, don't be afraid to. And that's why paying attention to role is so important and where they're lining up. Because if they do sign Dez, Taylor now goes from a guy that I'm excited about to he's undraftable. And it's the same thing about Albert Wilson. Okay, I mean, I like Albert Wilson. I want to buy in. He's a fun guy to like. Scott Barrett's, you know, trying to, to trying to leave the band lead the bandwagon. But all of a sudden, the head coach who calls the plays is saying that he's strictly an outside wide receiver. So is he going to play over Devontae Parker or Kenny Stills? I mean, as of now, I don't think so. If something changes, that's awesome. But as of now, because he's an outside guy, he's a backup. So he's undraftable. And that's why you got to pay attention to the, the usage. So is everybody here in the camp of that Des has, has something left that he could actually contribute to the team that he goes to? Yes. That they have a role for him? Yes. Okay. So Ben is a yes. Is everybody a yes. else a yes? Yeah, for sure. I'm in, I'm in as well. I'm going to I'm going to be the annoying one here. I'm going to say yes for the NFL and no for fantasy. Mm. You know, I I I think he's going to be fine for an NFL team. I just don't think that's going to translate to something worth starting in a in a fantasy redraft league. Okay. Yeah. If that I makes know, sense. I, yeah. I think that he's proven that he's a red right. zone weapon and if he lands on the right team, so it's all about situation yes. for sure with him. But I'll kind of I'll kind of point out too. I'm not really one to like buy into narratives, but this is the first time in Des Bryant's career that he hasn't been handed uh, the opportunity on a silver platter. Teams don't want him right now. And so uh, we've seen Des on the sideline just be absolutely uh, passionate and just, you know, kind of running his mouth and that kind of thing. But I like to see that in a, in a red zone weapon who wants the ball and he wants to catch, catch touchdowns. So he's playing with a chip on his shoulder this year. I'm taking him late in drafts as a late round flyer and, and he could produce massive uh, return on that investment in the late double digit. Yeah. Rounds. And listen, he's 29. It's not like he's, you know, 32, 33, um, and no one wants to sign him because all his contracts have run up and they know they're only going to get one year out of him before he's done. He's not even hit 30 yet, and Betts mentioned he's a red zone weapon. He is the red zone weapon. He is probably the best red zone wide receiver of the past few years um, until last year when he sort of fell off a cliff. So, And when he's on the field, he's had some health difficulties, that foot issue the Liz Frank I think that bothers people and it's really tough to come back from um, Jones pressure yes that uh so if if he gets signed to a decent team where he's going to see some targets and especially some red zone opportunity he's a he's a double digit touchdown guy easy he scores touchdowns and last I checked touchdowns are pretty important in fantasy football a bit that that's extremely fair that's very fair um, let's, let's roll on to this next piece of training camp news. And this is one I just had to th- kind of throw in there because we had a little bit of a, a quarrel about the, the Browns quarterback situation. So apparently Baker Mayfield is exceeding expectations in camp. I, from my understanding, he hadn't had an interception up until the point when I saw this tweet in camp. And to be fair, that's, that's pretty dang impressive. Uh, now Hugh Jackson reiterates that Tyrod Taylor is the number one quarterback on that roster. And you know, I kind of I'm putting my money on like Hugh Jackson kind of has to say that no matter what. So that to me is is not as much. I think Baker Mayfield's going to live up to his draft stock. I think he's going to push Tyrod out of that role, and I think he's going to start. What did we say? Eight? Did we bet on this, or did we make any kind of a, like a wager, like eight games? I don't know if like we that? did. I remember we talked about it, but I'm willing to make the bet now if you're still. In. <laughs> oh, I, I'm absolutely. In. I I, I know right, that Baker it. Mayfield will will play at least half the season. I'm all so you're about. It. Or no, he no, plays... no. I remember what it was. I remember what it was. I said by week nine. I said by week, week nine he'd be okay. starting. I, I do all recall right. that bet because there was that rough patch in the schedule. So, 
Yeah. Oh. All right, so, man. I'm in. Let's let's take it. All right. We'll we'll so, figure out terms on that. But uh, no, Baker Mayfield looking good in camp. Thoughts? I mean, what here's else the are thing. Say? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm Come kind of on. with Jen on this one. He, I saw the word floored, like the team is floored. Listen, he's the number one overall draft pick <laughs> in the NFL. He is going to be a good football player. They knew that coming in. That's why they took him there. I'm not surprised that he's flooring anyone, especially on a team that's had the quarterbacks that they've had. Uh, this must be like looking at, you know, the second coming. Um, but... Hugh Jackson has said from before and still that Taylor's going to start, and I think that he will. I also do think Mayfield, Mayfield will take over at some point. I don't know when. I think I'd take slightly later than week nine. Um, but, you know, it's not surprising to me. I think Jen's right on that one. I'll tell you this. what I'm waiting for Baker to start, and when that happens, I will be more excited about all the pass catchers there, and I'll probably target them more in DFS. Um, so I'm gonna, it's just going to be annoyed with Tyrod. But... At the same time, every week Tyrod starts, he'll probably be a, a top 15 quarterback, if not higher, because of his rushing. So it can be twofold. He is good because of his rushing, but I think that you're in. I, I personally think it's absolutely insane. Um, I haven't been on a podcast for a little while, but I think the Josh Gordon stuff is insane where he's being taken. If Tyrod's the quarterback, because I think other than Sammy, and you can say Josh Gordon is a similar player and better, I get that. But look at all of the, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, uh, saying that everyone says, look at all the mouths to feed, but Tyrod has really not supported. And I get that it's the Bills organizational to organization too, but look at all of these pass catchers that have left there and have benefited Robert Woods, Marquise Goodwin, et cetera. So I want selfishly, I want Baker to start. And when he does, the pass catchers will matter more to me. And Gordon's not even at training camp. Can we just say that? I mean, Baker could shine as much as he wants to. He's not building chemistry with Gordon, whether it's because of hard knocks or because of something else or because of his personal issues, he's not there developing chemistry. So even if he, he jumps in and starts, I'm with Ben on the fact that I don't think Gordon should be drafted where he is. And we're talking about redraft here. And so you shouldn't be drafting Baker, in my opinion. Um, no matter where he's going to start, he could be a streamer later on. But I don't think people are also going to be drafting Tyrod. But, but that's, and neither that, would I. that's the problem. Like, I want to jump in on that bet. But I, because I was very ignorant to the fact that, oh, Baker, like whoever they draft will start. Like, Tyrod's going to get 10 games maximum. But I don't know. Like, I don't know what this coaching staff is going to do. So it's a wait and see. I think that's because it comes down to how they're doing. I, and, I, and I think that's what we brought up before is they might throw Baker in if they're not in playoff contention and Tyrod's not doing well or he has some down games and they want to see what they have and put him in. I think it's going to depend on how the Browns season goes but we're, on when they when they might put Baker But we're in agreement like forget fantasy and oh who I think the quarterback is that's going to make these pass catchers a little bit more relevant. We're in agreement that the the Browns despite not winning a game last year are going to be competitive for at least 70% of the season, right? Like if not longer. So do they keep Tyrod as their quarterback that whole time because I think they will be fighting for a playoff spot whether they hit it or not. Like they're they're going to still have a chance at one up until at least week 13 or 14 I, I maybe i'm crazy i don't know 
No, something you should know, Ben, is you've joined uh, tonight the official Outside of Cleveland Browns Hype Podcast. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> I knew you we guys were all on board. I refuse to, I knew you guys to actually endorse that <laughs> the, the, the Steelers fan can't admit it. You but said every they could win the show, wild card. We talk about I'll give you wild card, but there's no way. There's no <laughs> oh, way. Oh, now she's in. I mean, now she's they're in. going to yeah. be I mean, anywhere near. I don't really care think... at all what happened last year. Their offense is completely and utterly stacked. I'm a six it's, or seven. It looks good. I, 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 I'm at six or seven wins. I, I really, I, I'm not going to go higher than that as far as the Browns go. This okay, but e- until I see something. But even at and six to and go from nothing to six, but even to at, seven, but even I at six and seven one. wins, let's say they're six and seven, 13 weeks into the season, they're still technically in contention to finish nine and seven. So they're not. Anyways, anyways, that's what I think. No, it's fine. I threw this piece of news in here to light the fire, and it appeared that worked. So <laughs> the fire we'll, we'll is blazing. Po- we'll, oh, it's blazing. So we'll we'll pocket that one for the next episode of the Browns podcast, but the Brown shirts podcast. Anyway, <laughs> we should make our name. I that. need to put my yeah, resignation in. It. My two weeks. <laughs> putting it in. I'm filing it right now. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's let's move on to another little bit of camp news, and this this one I think is kind of straightforward. You know, Ty Montgomery has been working pretty much exclusively from my understanding as the third down back in green Bay. And now everyone's been kind of going back on the Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones uh, thing. And Ty Montgomery has been kind of the, the guy left out of that. And we had Jason Moore on the show just a couple episodes, episodes ago who said that Ty Montgomery has a potential to be a running back one this year. And he was all in on that bold prediction. What? So uh, yeah, no, he loves Ty Montgomery. So I thought it was interesting to hear that, He's pretty much being deployed as as solely a pass catcher. So at, I don't know. Is there anything to this, or is there potential that he does get more running work? I mean, I think it's it's obvious. Like they should make him their third down back. He was a wide receiver, so he's for sure the best pass catcher on the on the depth chart there in the running backs. Um, I, yeah. I do think it is definitely interesting, and I think that he's a great uh, a great guy that you can get late. That he offers a ton of upside because of the fact that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball so much when they get close to the the end zone. When they're in the red zone, they they throw the ball inside the five yard line more than probably any other team in the league. And so if he's in there for that work and he's catching some of those passes, I mean, he's uh he's got more upside than I think most people think. I uh, don't think I could have said it any better. I think that like I I get what Jason Moore is saying. Like look at where everybody was at last year. I was one hundred percent in on that. But knowing what we know now, like the Packers don't have to go. Oh, here, go touch the ball 20, 15 to 20 times a game and let's see if you can hold up. They don't have to risk that because they'll put him in this specific role. They'll try to keep him healthy. That will increase his upside because the pass catchers are somewhat bare there compared to other years with Jordy gone. Like there is some meat on the bone, especially because it's Aaron Rodgers. So even though I don't think that he has that, the you know, the, the workload that you would want, he plays with Aaron Rodgers. He catch passes, catches passes from Aaron Rodgers. Most leagues are PPR, so I'm still interested late. And, you know, another guy that is going to intrigue me in GPPs and things of that nature. Okada, really quick. Heinz or him? Heinz or Chima? Heinz. I was going to say, you don't even have to ask mm, that question. He's going, you know, Heinz is that's, going. That's like, you know Okada. That's Heinz, like boy. Heinz, Clements. <laughs> that's like asking all people Brady we talked about, and Chima. They are like right there in ADP. So that, I mean, that's yeah. what people are going to be looking at. That's what they're going to be looking at in redraft. Who do I take yeah. right here? 
No, that's definitely Very true. Similar. And uh, to be fair, Taimo probably has the most upside because there's a chance he actually does more first and second down work than a couple of those other guys. But I don't see that happening. I think that would be foolish. And to what to Ben's point, saying that they could use him as just a three down back, keep him on the field and healthy, that would be the smart thing to do by far, which gives him like Duke Johnson upside, good theoretic upside. And I think that he absolutely has that, which would return value on where he is. Um, but I like the opportunity more for Hines uh, and even probably Clement. That one's close between Clement and Montgomery. All right. Well, let's move on to the last little bit of uh, camp chatter that we have going on. I think this one strikes me as very interesting as, as you know, a situation that we need to monitor and that Michael Gallup, the rookie wide receiver for the Cowboys, has been getting some first team reps. Now, from my understanding, it's not you know, entirely with the ones. He's kind of rotating up and down between the ones and the twos. Uh, but this is definitely a team that is now looking for their, you know, receiving identity post Des Bryant uh, since they've released him. And we already kind of chatted about him. But, you know, Alan Hearns is a guy we've talked about liking in this receiving core. And Cole Beasley's still there. Uh, they have some interesting, you know, tight ends that they're looking to replace Witten with. But uh, is there room for Gallup? to get some targets and some fantasy production here? I would say definitely. And I think we need to kind of take a step back from this argument that we and the fantasy community have been having of who is the wide receiver one for Dallas, because whoever that is, is going to dominate and we have to draft them earlier than the other one. Here's the thing. There's a pretty good chance that neither of them is a dominant wide receiver one, certainly from a target standpoint. And this is between Hearns and Gallup, because I think those are the two front runners. Terrence Williams is just, not good and uh who's still there between Beasley and Switzer Beasley's still there he's gonna be a slot guy so but if both of these guys get 110 targets maybe they're just they split the load but that's not out of uh, the realm of possibility at all and that makes both of them viable so I don't think we have to you know battle too hard back and forth whether Hearns or Gallup is better or a better shot at being the quote-unquote wide receiver one I think they both have decent value both should be drafted where they are and they can both be solid wide receiver low maybe low wide receiver twos for fantasy high end wide receiver threes yeah I mean the Dallas Cowboys have the second most missing targets and missing air yards from last year so there's someone has to step up and Michael Gallup was an interesting or, yep. two someone's. or two someone's. Or two That's someone's. That's kind of what I'm saying. Three I think the pro- Listen, there's, I there's think the tons problem of work. Is or yeah. five someone's. That like I'm literally out. I think that if could I, be. I think if I was taking a shot on anybody, it would be Gallup because I personally think he has more upside than Hearns. Um, I think to me, it's five someone's because the other guy we haven't talked about is no matter how bad we think he might be, the Cowboys are going to use Tavon Austin and he, he's going to be used as a wide receiver as well. So now you have Terrence Williams, Michael Gallup, Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley. Tavon Austin, whoever they're playing at tight end, and they're a running team that's going to give Zeke the ball all the time. I don't want any of them, and I won't own any of them. Yeah. No, the the Cowboys, they're they're going through a transition. So keep track, or like those first one, two, three weeks, you got to keep track of those targets and where they're going because there could be some waiver wire money right there. And uh, even if they don't turn into like fantasy productive weeks, follow the targets and grab one of those guys because it's going to be worth it. So, um. Without without any further ado, let's let's go ahead and move on to some guys that we think are going to be bounce back players. Look, you stupid bastard! You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> so that is, of course, from Monty Python, one of my favorite <laughs> movies. So, um, 
It's just a flesh wound. So some of these guys, I'm sorry, what Okada? These drops are just how we learn all of Kent's favorite movies. Nice. Exactly. That is exactly right. So some of these guys we're talking about today either had a disappointing season or maybe had some injuries going on. Uh, It's kind of up to the person talking about it. There's no real requirement. But we have a few guys that we think, you know, last year didn't, didn't look so pretty. So maybe they're coming at a discount in ADP and we can kind of take advantage of that. So we're going to start off with our guest, Ben. Go ahead and give me uh, a guy you want to talk about who could potentially bounce back from last year. Well, why don't we just start with who might be the most polarizing player uh, in fantasy football, Amari Cooper. Depending on uh, who you are, you might want to hug me or punch me, me saying that name. Uh, But I am on team Amari Cooper. Um, And do I firmly believe that I'm right? Absolutely not. Uh, Because I think that he has shown us his limitations. And I think that Matt Harmon has done a good job of showing that. Like he literally scored, I believe, the worst contested catch percentage in the history of him doing reception perception. But that is one nugget. And there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And ultimately, I buy volume. And, you know, you know, when you when you hear coaches talking, um, admittedly, you have to kind of pick and choose what you believe. But John Gruden saying that, you know, he wants Amari Cooper to be the engine that runs this offense. I believe it. And uh, the first two years that Amari Cooper was in the league when he was super young. He had, I don't have all the specific stats in front of me and I'm not Rich Rebar, I apologize, but I believe he went over a thousand yards both years and then he was like 600 something yards like the third year. I'm You're right on the money, Ben. Thank you. You got it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to believe that what I saw in college and what I saw in his first two years is more the player that he can be. Whether he will be that this year or not, I don't know, but I'm going to take a little bit of an ADP discount and I am going to put him on my team. Um, I think now granted this is a little bit different. I think I snagged him in the fifth in SFB. So like I'm not, Oh, all in and give me him for sure in the third. But this is a guy that I firmly believe with the volume that he's going to get with the player that I believe he is. Yes, he has his limitations, but he also excels in some areas. Now he put on some weight that just came out, I think today, and it's making me a little nervous. Um, that could be a negative. I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you that I know. But ben, is it a, is it Kelvin Benjamin weight or is it is it like Josh Gordon weight? <laughs> uh, that's a huge Eddie Lacy weight. Like what are we Kelvin talking? Benjamin weight because I haven't touched Kelvin Benjamin with a ten foot pole in about four years. Uh, but he's two twenty five. I think that he still has the athleticism. He's an electric receiver. He can get deep. He can beat you deep. If he doesn't drop the ball, which we know can uh, change a little bit from year to year. Um, you know, some of those big players are going to hit. He showed you his upside. I'm buying in. I think the targets will be there. There's no Michael Crabtree. Yes, I still like Jordy, but I think that it is a little bit of a um, an upgrade for Cooper as like the the alpha in this offense. And I think this is the year. Like he's still a young player. Year four, you see him take a step up. And Derek Carr doesn't have a back issue himself. Uh, bets, so he should be a little bit healthier, and so I am bought into the volume, and I believe in the player over one year. Like this is how I make my living. I don't, I have a job, but this is how what I do in DFS and GPPs. Like you don't give into the recency bias. I'm going to choose what he's done in college and the first two years in the NFL, and I'm going to take the discount and I'm going to put him on my team this year. DFS and GPP, 100% redraft. 
different game, right? It is. How many targets do you think Amari Cooper is going to get this season? Because he needed 130 to get just over a thousand yards his first year and just a little bit more than that same thing 130 targets 2016 then last year we saw that mess i so, i think he pretty easily gets to 130 is i don't i okay. don't know if that's a hot t- I, he's gonna need it and i think no, I, and i think he'll get it i don't think that's a hot take to get to 130 i actually almost picked amari for my bounce back and the only reason i didn't it has nothing honestly to do with him i think he's a really good player like you've mentioned but I am concerned about this offense and John Gruden. So <laughs> sure. I, have a, I have a question for you. We're talking, I think I heard something today. He's showing them like film tape from 1976. <laughs> Most amazing. Absolutely. Like, yes. Most amazing what is up tweet? with that? Jared Cook is like, uh, we're learning a lot, but sometimes there's this old tape and we're just kind of like, okay, man. I literally could have died <laughs> a like, satisfied man at that point. Like the best tweet I've maybe ever seen. <laughs> so, right? I, I, so I want to ask you this. Do you believe in this offense at least decently, Ben. And if not, do you believe maybe this team is going to be so bad that they have to throw so much that maybe he gets over 150 targets or something like that? I'll try to make this really quick. One, I don't think they'll be very good, so they will have to throw at times. And two, because it's a older type of offense, what that tells me is, what what is the trend, Ben, in the league? All of a sudden, these wide receiver threes are more relevant. I don't think you're going to see that with Oakland. Now, we'll have to see what happens with Martavis, if he plays, whatever. Maybe it's a little bit different, but because it's an older offense, I think, and you've seen Jacob Rickroad tweeting it out, like he will funnel targets to his wide receiver one because that's what an older offense will do because there's less route combinations with more wide receivers on the field, therefore a higher likelihood that Cooper is going to be targeted on the route, which is going to ultimately increase his targets at the end of the day. Hashtag math. Yeah, that's solid math. All right, let's um let's swing it over to Jen. Jen, I want to hear about your bounce back player for 2018. Sure. Mine is Pierre Garçon. So uh, the wide receiver one should be anyway over in San Francisco with uh. the uh, <laughs> with Jimmy G coming back. Now last year we saw we we got at uh, the first half uh, of a great season from Garçon, and he was on his way to a thousand yards. He was on pace. For um, So he had 67 targets, 40 receptions, and 500 yards. So he was on pace for 134 targets last season, um, which is 12th among wide receivers. So if he would have gotten that many. So if you're talking about volume this year, he'll get that. He's under Kyle Shanahan, uh, who was his offensive coordinator for his best career uh, season, best fantasy career back in. Now, it was in 2013, but also he was under him last year. So clearly Kyle Shanahan wants to feed him the ball. I think he is going to be the wide receiver one. I don't think this neck issue that happened last season, I don't think he's injury prone or any of these things. I know his age is coming into into play here. But last year was, you know, it was a tough hit on the sideline and he had a neck injury and missed half the season. I really think this year he's going to bounce back with a better quarterback. I mean, it doesn't get much, it doesn't get hard to beat, you know, Hoyer and Bethard last year throwing to him. So you have Jimmy G, G this year. And in 2016, we saw what he can do with a full season. He ended number 27 um, and half PPR, and that was just on 79 receptions. So I think he's going to get even more targets this season, more receptions. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is touchdowns. He's never had more than, I think, six, I think, is his career high. So if you're in standard scoring, that's something to pay attention to. But in half PPR or PPR, Garcon's going in like the seventh round, I think, um, in half PPR, and I- I'm snagging him. I mean, he's going right around now. Sanders is the only one 
where he's going right around him where I would really, I, I wasn't sure. I'd probably go Garcon over Sanders, but that's the only one right around there in his ADP that I think is even rivaling uh, the amount of targets he's going to see this season. I, I just, I, I think he's undervalued and I'm going to have him on most of my teams. If he's still there, I'm taking him. And real quick, just since you brought it up, uh, he, he's healthy this coming coming into this year. There's no concern about injury. He had a, a fracture of one of the bones of his neck, and fortunately for him, the bone was not displaced out of the location of where it should be. And sometimes when that happens, you can get nerve damage, which can be a, a serious issue and um, oftentimes requires surgery. So his was a, a simple fracture, was treated non-operatively, which is great. Um, so he should be fine for coming back week one, ready to go. Right. I only mention that because I think some people look and they see that he was eight, you know, he's only in eight games last season. They think he's injury prone and they just kind of look at his age and then lump him into this category. And that's not, you know, that's not really the case. So, yeah, I'm with you there. A lot of great points, Jen. And there are definitely multiple assets that can thrive under Jimmy G. I'm a Jimmy G believer. And we don't have to make it like 1v1 like Twitter always wants to do. But I am going to do that right now because I am Team Goodwin. <laughs> I feel a thousand – like this is one that I just – I feel it. So I will bet you right now that I, Goodwin is their wide receiver one and he outscores Garcon. I will bet on this podcast because that's – I feel I'll good about bet. it. I'll, I'll bet that for if, you. I, ooh, I feel like there's room for everybody. T- Sharing is caring. I mean I like he it. still you had over 100 targets PPR. last season. I don't know what the bet is. I'm not very creative. We can do an AV bet. Whatever the bet we is, I'm going to Garcon. Somebody, somebody I will tell bet us. You. I don't know. I don't know. Sassy. I don't care what it is. I'm in. Garcon's Garcon. Garcon will be good Goodwin. too, but team Goodwin. And for the record, though, Goodwin is also undervalued. Exactly. I think he has a role and here. Garcon, he, got over, yes. he got 100 and, and five targets last season. So uh, I think there's still room for that. I, it, it was pretty even before and after Garcon was out. 59 targets before he was out, 46, and 46, excuse me, 46 before he was out, and then 59 targets those last eight weeks of the season. So Goodwin is going to still be involved in this offense, whether Garcon is there or not. And But Garcon's yeah. going to be wide receiver and, one. And, and Garcon will be relevant too. So how about this? The, the winner has the loser donate $20 to their charity of choice. Absolutely. Hey, I Done. like that. Very 100%. Good. You know, and it's funny because I'm actually Team Goodwin. I brought it up Let's you go. Know, on a, yeah, you a are. previous episode yeah, of Wide Receiver are. Sleepers. However, I did almost choose Pierre Garçon for this this section because I, I I I do think that Goodwin ends up with more fantasy value. However, I think there's plenty of space for both yep. of them, like you guys were just talking exactly. about. So uh plenty of love to go around there with the Jimmy G, handsome Jimmy spreading that love around. So yeah, that's gonna be a good offense, fun offense to watch this year. Uh, and I'm all about it. So I really like that pick. Let's uh, let's jump over to Betts. Betts, run down your bounce back player for me. Yeah, so we've talked about a couple wide receivers. I'm going to bring a running back to the table now. And, and the guy that I'm excited about bouncing back is Jay Ajayi this year. Uh, he was a, an interesting player last year. Drafted mostly in the first round or early second. So people were taking him likely as their RB1. Uh, and it just didn't pan out for him, mostly because of the trade that happened when he was sent over to the Eagles uh, halfway through the season. So he played seven games in Miami, seven games in Philly. And, and the stats are, are shocking, actually, and kind of what they show. So he got 68 more carries during those seven games in Miami, and he averaged about 20 rushes a game during those seven games. In Philly, he averaged just 10 
carries a game, but he rushed for only 57 fewer total yards, uh, averaging 5.8 a clip. I don't think that that sustains this year because I think he's going to get more work, but I think that efficiency will level out with the usage. And with LeGarrette Blunk on, and Jen, I think you talked about this with your Corey Clement segment a couple episodes ago, he's vacating over 200 carries. And so I think that the work that's going to be there for JHI as the primary ball carrier uh, is going to be immense in terms of his value. Uh, he's going to be the guy on the goal line, I think. And Blunt ranked 11th in the NFL in his rush attempts inside the 20 with 33. So even if he gets, let's say, you know, 80% of those, I mean, that's huge for JGI's value. He finished last year as the as RB36, totally a fluke. I've got him ranked inside the top 20 this year. So I'm I'm all in on JGI coming back as a rock solid RB2 in that offense. My concern, Betts, is the touchdown. It's He got over 200 carries. He got 34, I think, receptions. And what? One touchdown? Something like that? Like, yeah. it, yep. that, I mean, that's, yeah, that's my concern, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, and there's definitely the kind of the thing that you have to think about, too, is he came halfway through the season. And so it's definitely easier for running backs to pick up the offense, no doubt. But uh, they definitely weren't willing to kind of commit to him as their number one right out of the gates. And we saw that kind of slow process happen for the first few weeks. So might be a little skewed because of that. And, and I think just going into training camp as the one on the depth chart um, has me excited for him coming back. That red zone usage is a little concerning because it wasn't just blunt. Corey Clement got a lot of red zone work too. But I do think that that concern is baked into the ADP which is what Betts is getting to. So I'm on board with where you can get Ajayi in one of the best offenses in the league. And probably, I think PFF actually ranked their offensive line, the best offensive line in the league. So there's a lot of... It's it's at least top five. I can't remember what it is, but you're absolutely There's a lot of aspects that kind of help uh, uh, balance that out as well with that concern. Yeah, for sure. And I think... One strategy that I'm taking in drafts this year is, is if I don't get a Jai because someone takes him a little earlier than what I'm willing to, I love grabbing Clement as a second option and being happy with it. So I want one of those backs for sure. I prefer a Jai, but I'd be happy to get Clement uh, a little later. Anybody, because so because I was like just Sproles is dead, and now and I know everybody's a Hall of Famer right now, but I saw a tweet that somebody in the Philly organization is saying he looks, you know, just like he always does, like. Do we need to start incorporating him? I mean, if he's going to come back on this team, he's like 50 years old. They're going to use him. Logic would say, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, but they're going to use him to a certain extent. Like, do we need to start thinking he'll be more involved than we've been acting like he will be? Yes, I think we do. Maybe not from a fantasy perspective for him, but, what, but in the... yeah. Yes, in the way that he would affect the other running backs and in the way that he'll help that team. I mean, this guy is one of the best pass-catching running backs of, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years. And we've also seen that these guys can be very effective into their older age. He was very, very good before his injury last year. Um, And, you know, you've seen guys like Danny Woodhead even have really productive seasons as he gets older. So they don't take the beating that... Um, you know, the Adrian Petersons and the DeMarco Murrays and guys like that do. So I think that the age is a little bit less of a factor and his talent and his ability in space is absolutely awesome. So I I think we have to at least consider him when we're drafting those other guys, Ben. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And, and real quick, before we kind of move on, um, I want to touch on two things quickly with Sproles. He only played in three games last year before going down with the injury, which was a torn ACL and actually a freak play. He injured his wrist on the exact same play, so the two got absolutely annihilated, which was 
so heartbreaking for a great player. But uh, he only played in three games, and in those three games, his carries were two, ten, and then three, which was hampered by the injury. His receptions were five, two, and, and zero with the injury. So um, we don't know what he's going to be in this offense. So I think it's a valid concern, but my uh, hesitation with kind of viewing him as a secondary option for the Eagles is the guy's 35 and he's coming off an ACL and research shows and suggests that these guys are more likely to have some soft tissue injuries, meaning like hamstring strains, um, calf strains, those kind of things. And so with that reason, the Eagles are going to be smart to limit him to a few touches a game, which is exactly what I think they'll do. Get him on some gadget plays, give him some some swing passes out of the backfield, etc. So for sure he'll be there, but he's not going to affect um, – a giant Clement, the way that some people might love think. it. Ben, just to let you know, they Philadelphia's offensive line is number one in PFF. So you are correct, sir. And and just wanted to confirm that. And you were correct as well, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I said top five. I, uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got, I look. I look forward to Darren Sproles being the first NFL player to play with his son on the same team because I don't. I don't think <laughs> that dude's going to ever stop playing. Frank He's, Gore? Oh, Frank Gore is another oh, candidate Frank. for that as well. We'll see if they can beat, Just Le- the good old, we'll they can beat LeBron the good old boys. to it on the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll jump in next because, you know, we've talked about running backs, wide receivers. I'm going to throw down a quarterback, and it's Andrew Luck. And now this this is like a cakewalk kind of pick here. Yeah, that's fine. But I, I, I just tweeted out today that I'm ready to move Andrew Luck back into my top five ranked quarterbacks for this season. This is a dude who his injury timeline with this shoulder thing has been nothing short of a spectacle. People have been talking about him throwing kids footballs, throwing kids, other things like that. (laughs) It's been really weird the whole time. And like, we'll just find any little thing to try and make news about his shoulder. But luck has shown that he, you know, he waited the extended period of time to make sure it was a full, healthy uh, healing process. And so his shoulders back in shape. He has been hitting the gym. The dude showed up yoked out of his mind. He's looking real strong. He's been in training camp recently throwing like 11 out of 13 passes or 11 out of 12 passes or something like that. He's just lighted up in camp in 11 on 11 drills, full pads. He's back in action. He doesn't need the kids football anymore. He's ready for the full size NFL football. And, you know, let's let's remember that whenever this guy plays 15 or more games, you know, he missed one game in 2016, I think it was. But in, in, in basically full seasons, he's finished as quarterback number four, number two, number four, and number nine. So if this dude stays healthy, he's like a locked and loaded top 10 quarterback and pretty much a top five quarterback. And considering that he's waited so long trying to get real healthy with his shoulder, I think it's time to remember that he's one of the top quarterback prospects of this decade and that he's still only 28 years old and has plenty of youth and, you know, springiness to get back into the game. I think he's ready to roll. And I, I'm not afraid to move him up my ranks. I just did it today. I put him at number five. So I'm, I'm ready for the, the luck comeback. Let's I'm go. 100- yeah, I'm 100% on board with this, too. I currently have him at six, and I think I might have to move him above Watson, who I have at five. Uh, one thing to consider, too, is this is probably the best offensive line that he's had. He's had an awful offensive yep. line, and they just took what looks like could be the best offensive lineman in this oh. draft, if not several. Quentin re- Nelson is a drafts. beast. Absolutely he's a insane. Beast. Tell him. Yeah, watch videos. Watch videos of Quentin Nelson. It's awesome to see. Uh, so I think I'm willing to not only maybe move him into my top five, we'll see, but I'm willing to have him bouncing back all the way to 2014 
where he had 4,700 yards Woo! and 40 touchdowns. All right. Let's go, yeah, baby. And well, that's, that's, season. That means T.Y.'s get, okay. That means T.Y.'s getting so like 20. His, let's his go, He's catching baby. all of these well, passes. T.Y., let's go. T.Y. Hill. It's not all going to be T.Y. So what, Ryan Grant? Doyle. 80 catches for Hines. Ebron. Ebron. They will both be relevant. Mark my words. Also, lock it in. It's not like he's had, you know, killer receivers throughout his career. He's had decent receivers. Hilton's been great, and his line's been worse. And Hines is, I think, by far the best pass-catching back, or at least specifically pass-catching back, who they can put out there and know he's specifically geared to do that extremely well. Marlon Mack can take a screen pass 80 yards to the house. So you've got multiple running backs. You've got – don't give me any of this nonsense about how T.Y. Hilton's not a wide receiver one. Get all the way out of here. You have a wide receiver one, (laughs) one of the best wide receivers in the league. We'll see what happens with the wide receiver two. Multiple tight ends that can be relevant. They're not going to ask Eric Ebron to, you know, become somebody that he hasn't been, but he can be a contributing factor. He actually, I've been meaning to tweet this. If you go look at what Ebron did at the end of the season last year, I was actually like, what? He actually was pretty relevant because I was watching a Lions game and he kept making catches. It was at the end of the season. He caught a, he caught a fade touchdown. They lined him out wide. I was like, okay, even if he's not going to be consistent, he will make plays for luck. There's enough there to where his weapons aren't as bad as they seem, even though the wide receiver two spot is pretty bad. Yeah, just just one last thing about uh, about this with Kent's point. If you don't have T.Y. Hilton moving up with luck, then something's yep. wrong. So I don't know where you have him. Way yeah, up. I might need to check. Way up. Yeah, yeah, but if, if, if adjusting. Yeah, you, you probably do, because if you hop on board with luck, which I think you all should be doing, I'm talking to listeners right now, you need to have T.Y. Hilton probably in your top 12. So make sure you check that also. Who would you all take luck over? Redraft. Quarterback. Go. Take like take who, him like over? Your top five. So who are you taking well, him over? a lot of people. Yeah. Wentz. Like, who are you bumping yeah, out I of bumped top down 10 Wentz, to fit him uh, in? Watson, Breeze, I think were three. I, Cousins. The big ones I put below him. Yeah. I think the only four I had above him were, uh, let's see, Rodgers, Brady, Russell, and uh, Cam. Cam. Yeah, Cam's ahead of him. And then it's... Yep. Those are the four that I'll exactly. have ahead of yeah, him. Yeah, so then he's at five. five. Where, do you, where do you have him, Jen? Where do you have him? Uh, right now, I don't mean, definitely not in the top 10 right now. So um, who are some of those fringe guys that you have over him? Because this will help me because I don't have rankings right now. So, man. I mean, Cousins. Everybody Cousins you just luck. said. Luck. Everyone you just said. Uh, Garoppolo or Luck? I'm just luck. not. I'm, yeah, Luck there. I, I love Luck in the back, but I, I'm just not on board I forgot one of the, right now as much as you guys are. One of the best I mean, parts about it is he's going in the ninth round right now, which normally I'm like a double-digit round quarterback guy, but if Andrew Lux makes it to the ninth round, I'm snapping him up in that position. That's the thing. And that's and that's why I like that you brought him up, even though, yeah, he's pretty obvious for this, because there have been a lot of people that still have been very cautious, rightfully so, and it's probably going to start changing now that these positive reports are... Yes, there is still a chance he could have a setback. I don't know if Betts has already talked about this. Um, he could get hit, and it, it could happen. I'm... I mean, I was in on the the risk last year, and and that's like ultimately like the the final thing where it was like, okay, I really need to because I already thought like injuries I'm cautious with in in um in in training camp, but to me like oh, but luck will, you know, he'll be there for we like it. I, that was one where I should not have thought that way, but now that he's back 
and he's he's talking very optimistically and he's scrimmaging. Like, unless there's a setback, which could still happen, we should at least say that, but unless there's a setback, I would take him over Cousins and Garoppolo, which were the two that were thrown at me. You guys, and I've got to jump in at some point, so I'm <laughs> going to just do this real quick. You guys know my stance on Andrew Luck, and I'm still very hesitant. And not that I'm not oh, excited. No. I'm excited for him, and I agree with everything you guys are saying. If he's out there on the field, I agree. He is going to be in the top probably seven or eight for me. So I'm with you, and, and T.Y. wheels up for sure. But I'm not ready to put that out there. I mean, it, we're a week into training camp, and we've seen him throw 10 balls on Twitter. I mean, it's not <laughs> They it's are NFL-sized footballs, they are though. They NFL-sized footballs. <laughs> it's not a linear progression. Show us it's running, right? His legs, or and, what? And he's got to be able to prove that he can do it for the entire month before I'm even willing to put him inside my top 10. That's so, fair. so, for now, I mean, for now, I'm out. But if if he continues to, to do it and show us, then yeah, I'm, I'm in. And one thing I just want to highlight is he did an interview with NFL.com's Tom Pelissero, I think is how you say his name. And he admitted he's still having soreness. And, and I put this in an article for the Fantasy Footballers a few days ago. He's still on my top three injury concerns in training camp. And and so I think that's a huge deal. He's uh, He's still having soreness but not pain. And so that's a huge discrepancy and huge difference. Pain, we know, is going to inhibit him. He's not going to play well. He's not going to be able to play through that. But if he's having some soreness, that's okay. And that's a little bit normal because he's going through the throwing motion, which puts a ton of stress on your rotator cuff and the shoulder in general. So it's normal for him as he starts to do these things to have a little bit of muscle soreness, which we've all had a a good workout in the gym, right, and felt that soreness after. So those (laughs) kind of sorenesses, I'm okay with. But if he starts to admit to having any pain, absolutely off my draft board. No, that's fair. I mean, it's definitely I, a risk. Bet, bets, I respect bets, and I should, I, I'm already going to rein it in just a little bit. I will say the one thing that made me feel really good was they're already talking about him playing in preseason week yeah. one. And usually quarterbacks, especially if they're coming back from injury, you might not see them play in the preseason at all. And honestly, that's probably what I, I – if you would have asked me, I would have said he probably won't play in preseason, maybe a couple series in week three. So if he's playing in preseason week one, that makes me feel – a lot better and now it's just as long as he doesn't have a setback let's go baby if i see him run get hit get up and throw an accurate ball i'll move him up in my right but see that 13 i think is more than generous for somebody that hasn't thrown a ball in a season game since 2016 you guys can go ahead and take him up up i don't it's, know where you're gonna take him it's all Top five you can go ahead and do it's that all i'm just not gonna but do that's that. the whole thing because there's so many people that still need to see him take a hit and get back up, that's why you can get him in the ninth round still. And I think ultimately that's where we need to take this conversation back to. If you feel like he can stay healthy and you're willing to take that risk, that's a good price to get a guy. Yes, it's still a quarterback, but it's a quarterback that does have that 40 touchdown upside. So, yeah. Yeah, but you have to look at who's he going over in the ninth. Not just that he's going in the ninth because people wait on quarterback. Yes. He's going yes. over... Big Ben. He's going over Philip Rivers. He's going over Marcus Mariota. He's going over uh, close to Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, like people that trust him. He's going only three spots after Matthew Stafford. People that see, you know, prospects that are much safer. So I agree, especially in best ball. Or if you're going to swing, go ahead and swing. And Andrew Luck is the swing. Absolutely. Swing for the fences, but you have there, to know the risks. There's definitely going to be a wide range of, of rankings on him. So I, I just wanted to put it out there that I'm 
I'm excited for him, and I'm ready for him to get back on the field, and I think that's good for football. So let's let's move on to Okada. We got uh, the last one on the list here for bounce back players. Go ahead and, and tell us who your guy is. Yeah, so my guy's going to be Sammy Watkins, now of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Um, you've heard me talk about Tyree Kill before in the opposite direction, and this is very related to that. And just to be clear, I'm not having him bounce back to the year before last because the year before last, or sorry, to from not having him back. Okay, hold on. Let me start over. <laughs> just to be clear, I'm not having him bouncing back from 2016 because 2016 was not great. He played eight games. He had 430 yards and two touchdowns. I'm having him bounce back at least to 2015 when he had 1047 yards and nine touchdowns. And I actually have him bouncing back farther than that. So really, it's almost more of a breakout for him. Here's the thing. This guy was a number four overall pick in the famed 2014 draft. That's ahead of Mike Evans, ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., ahead of Brandon Cooks. The NFL is not that far off. This guy can play football really well. He played in what we have already discussed today to be an awful Bills offense that for some reason felt like running a John Gruden 1976 tape sort of situation where they just ground and pound it and they were not good. Uh, and their quarterback, while I respect Taylor in general and think he's decent, is not necessarily someone who uh, is going to launch balls and that's one of Watkins' specialties. Last year, he went to the Rams. I've mentioned this before. He went there in mid-preseason uh, on a trade. He never really connected too well with Goff. I watched games, and they missed each other on deep balls quite often. He only had 70 targets, which is an incredibly low target count for someone of his caliber, and he only had 39 catches, which is not great. He still finished as a wide receiver three. How did he do that? with red zone targets. So he had 10 red zone targets, which is not a crazy quantity, but he had seven catches, which that catch rate in the red zone is seventh among wide receivers with at least 10 targets. And of those catches, how many do you think went for touchdowns? Eight. Well, he's uh, I, eight total. He had eight total. <laughs> <laughs> so my, okay. My numbers, my numbers are, yes, he had eight total. One of those might be, I don't know about in the red zone. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So he had seven catches in the red zone. Seven of them went for touchdowns. He also had one outside the red zone. Yeah. And that, that, touchdown number in the red zone was second among wide receivers in the entire NFL on an extremely low overall target count. And that was only behind Jarvis Landry, which in all honesty, is seems like a fluke to me. I don't think he's that kind of guy, which basically means Watkins is even in an offense that he wasn't fully established in one of the best red zone receivers in the league right now. As you know, I'm not a fan of Hill, and that's where he lacks the most in the red zone. So I think Watkins steps up huge there. Kelsey's touchdowns last year, they soared. They went up to eight after he put up multiple seasons of four, five, four. I think those regress back down a little bit. I think he drops maybe back down to that five range, maybe six. But I mean, a couple more can go Watson's way. Mahomes is clearly a downfield talent. We've already seen tape of that in college and in one game in the pros. And we've also seen it in training camp videos. He's hitting Hill on deep bombs. He's also going to hit Watkins on deep bombs. And I think that he can support Watkins in that way better than any quarterback he's played with so far. So give me the bounce back all the way to 2015 and beyond. And listen, here's who he's going around in drafts. All right, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate are going way ahead of him. Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones. Juju Smith-Schuster is going basically two rounds ahead of him. Uh, Chris Hogan's going ahead of him. And then you got guys like Corey Davis and Michael Crabtree behind him. I don't think the ADP is too off. He kind of belongs in that range. I'd take him maybe a round earlier. But here's the thing. 
I think he has a better chance to finish as a top five wide receiver than any of those guys. And maybe a couple more up the list all the way into like the fourth round, which is where Juju's going, by the way. Sammy Watkins can easily be elite in this league, and I think this is the year that he does it. Love it. Let's go. I mean, I think this is one of the easiest takes to me in terms of just price. Like, you know, price matters so much. And Tyreek Hill, you know, is going to be very good again. But you have to take him three, four rounds higher than Sammy Watkins. So give me the discount all day for a guy that could outscore Tyreek Hill. And that's like my hot take. He's going to outscore Tyreek Hill. Um, Because even though Tyreek Hill has made a living on 50 30 plus yard touchdowns. Um, that's not going to continue every single season. There's going to be a year where, oh man, he's really good, but he only took, you know, three of those to the house. And when they're in the red zone, I firmly believe, which is what you were alluding to, Akata, that Watkins will be he- will be targeted more in the red zone than Tyreek. Kelsey will be targeted more in the red zone than Tyreek. So think there's a chance that not only are you getting a three to four round discount, but you're also drafting the the better wide receiver this year because, again, it all comes back to usage for me. We know how he was used as a decoy a lot of time in, in L.A. He is going to a team now where they are lining him all over the field. It's Andy Reid. Andy Reid is going to use this guy. He's going to love this guy. It sounds like, unless you know it doesn't happen, they're lining him up in the slot. They're using him completely differently than they were in L.A. I think Mahomes is a more aggressive passer overall than Goff, which should help Watkins as well. So I'm 100% on board. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I've been a Sammy fan all offseason, so I don't really need to say much that you guys haven't already said. No, that's pretty solid. Is any, any other thoughts on Sammy? I just think that, I mean, I agree the upside's there for sure. And for those people that are still all in on, on Tyreek, I mean, the caution that I want to put out there is, as loud as I can, because when you look at the usage history with Andy Reid and his receivers, uh, for the most part, he chooses Kelsey and one guy. And I know that there's a different quarterback, so things could change. But if it's going to be one guy, I mean, the target share just hasn't been there for Tyreek because of the fact that he's such a deep ball player. So if it's going to be one guy with a secondary receiver, I think it's going to be Sammy Watkins as the the one. Totally with you. And it's not that Tyreek's not going to have a good year. He will. Because this defense is bad. Mahomes is going to have to throw a lot. We know how how great of a talent he is. And so they're both going to be good. But ever, I would never click on Tyreek Hill's name in the third round because what Betts just said, the target volume was not there. And I'm not going to continue to bet on outlier seasons, even though Tyreek Hill is very good in the third round. It all comes down to price and drafts. And if Watkins was going in the fourth, which he's been doing up to this point in his career, really when healthy, then I wouldn't be as in, but you can get Sammy Watkins in the seventh, maybe even the eighth at times. Uh, anywhere from that sixth to eighth range, like that is a good price to buy a guy that has a good chance to be the wide receiver one in Kansas City because I firmly believe the target share is going to be similar whether he outproduces Tyreek or not. His opportunities will be very similar for a four-round discount. I love it. All right. Well, those are some awesome uh, potential candidates for bounce-back players this year. I mean, you got to be ready for those guys. It's important to not be jaded when it comes to fantasy football players because you can get, uh, you can miss out on some good deals as far as them going cheaper than they should. So hopefully we gave you guys some good information on that. We talked about some camp situations that were uh, kind of interesting to us as well. And uh, before we go, hey, Ben, how about you just uh, go ahead and let everyone know where they can reach you? 
Uh, I am at Ben Cummins FF on Twitter, and you can find my work this year with the fantasy footballers. Uh, I'm going to be tweeting out here pretty, uh, pretty hard here. The um, advertising for our DFS pass. Um, unlike some other places, it is a one-time fee. I believe it's $39.99 for the entire season. You're going to get stack articles. You're going to get relevant injuries. You're going to get cash game plays. You're going to get GPP plays. Um, you're going to get primetime picks. Uh, you know, we're going to show you what is the player of val- more of a value on FanDuel or DraftKings. So where's a better place to play him? We bring you a lot of stuff for a really affordable price. Uh, and that's where I put my focus because I'm very passionate about that that GPP life. Yeah, and a reminder that uh, we actually got our own discount code for the Ultimate Draft Kit for the Fantasy Footballers. That's Red Shirts. Uh, you can use that code at checkout for 10% off your Ultimate Draft Kit from the Fantasy Footballers. So go ahead and... And there's a combo deal with Ultimate Draft Kit and DFS Pass that that co- that code might work for the combo deal. So give that a try because it actually gives you a discount on the DFS Pass as well. I like that. That's uh, double savings right there. That's awesome. Well, yes, sir. thank you, Ben, for joining us on today's show. We appreciate you coming on and talking about some bounce back players with us. Absolutely, guys. I had a blast and uh, let's get this thing going. Let's get these preseason games started. Oh, I'm so ready. But uh, real quick, before we go, I do have one last important announcement for those hoping to play in the Red Shirts Listener League. Next week on the show, we will be announcing those who have uh, been submitting their reviews through iTunes or other platforms uh, trying to get in that league. We'll be announcing those who will be joining us on the league, on the pod, as well as on Twitter. So keep an ear or eye out for that. And then we'll be forwarding some more information about that as well. So you do have one more week to try and enter. So get those reviews in. Send us to our uh, Twitter handle at RedShirtsFFPod or to our Gmail. That's RedShirtsPod at gmail.com and let us know about your review. Everyone, thank you for joining the show. This was an awesome little chat. We had a good time with it. So let's get it going. Once again, we are the Red Shirts. Red Shirts.